You're listening to the Church at Grace Point Leadership Podcast with Eric Powers, Joel Scoggins, Justin Mucka, and Sam Connor as we talk through Lead Like It Matters by Craig Rochelle. Today, the guys discuss the question, what is it? Hello, and welcome back to the Church of Grace Point Leadership Podcast. We're super pumped to be here. Are we super pumped to be here, guys? Oh, yeah. So pumped. Always so pumped. These guys are so enthusiastic. We're reading Lead Like It Matters by Craig Rochelle, um, and we would love to invite you to read this with us, ask questions, join the conversation. You can do that by emailing us at podcast at gracepoint.church or follow us on Instagram at GP Leadership Podcast and message us there. We would love to hear from you. We might even talk about the questions or conversations that we have with you on the show, which could be fun if anybody interacted with us. And do it. <laughs> Just Be do the it. first person. Do it. Um, we do want to apologize very quickly uh, for taking such a long break. We did have a, a couple weeks where we were off, and, um, and the reason it's been so long is because, one, Sam got sick. It's not my fault. Bless his heart. He had mono, so you guys pray for him. He's still recovering. Uh, Joel is also in a transition uh, of uh, a new job. And then we also went on, uh, Justin and I went on a mission trip. We uh, we have been doing local missions, uh, a program called Ocoee Outreach here in Cleveland. Mm. And uh, we had an awesome week building, uh, putting new roofs on houses and building ramps and painting painting, painting a beautiful home. Uh, so uh, it, it's been an awesome week. We did have to take a short short break, but uh, we do plan on jumping back on our normal schedule now. So every other week we'll be releasing a new show. Uh, so stick, stay tuned, stick with us. Let's do this thing. All right. Uh, chapter two is titled, where did it come from? Uh, where did it come from? And before we jump into this chapter, I think we just ask our, ourselves the question, where, where do we think it comes from? Uh, where do we believe it comes from? Um, Sam, you want to go first? Yeah. Um, I definitely don't think it's something that just falls in your lap. Like, I don't think it's just something that, like, it just happens, right? It's something that you have to to set your heart and mind towards um, the Father and towards uh, Jesus and making Him the center of like, everything you're doing. Um, we talked uh, a bit this morning about ambition and the the problem that a lot of people have with their focus with ambition. They get really ambitious, which is good, but then their focus on is on themselves and not focused on the right thing. So I feel like whenever we have our focus on Jesus and serving him and loving people, then the it factor comes along with that. I think that is, I think that's the only way to really go about it. It seems like the example that Jesus left for us, uh, just loving people, serving people. And so it makes sense for it to come from there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Justin, you got it? Yeah, um, just we're, we're going to talk about like these these discussion questions at the end of the chapter mm-hmm. two, and and particularly like that really um, set set with me when you said ambition, um, and one we'll, we'll talk about that church later that I'm thinking of at least, um, but you know sometimes we can get so caught up in in the numbers that is attracted by the gospel message. And, uh, you know, the gospel does attract people, but when we get so focused on the numbers and ambitious for those numbers, that can kind of change what that it is and we can lose it or we can forget about it and we could turn it into anything that we want it to be. I think anytime you try to build personal kingdom over God's kingdom, 
uh, you, you're going to lose it. It is going to fade for sure. Um, because God's not being glorified. The gospel's not being preached. You're doing things out of personal uh, kingdom building motives and, and personal ambition. And so, of course, you're going to lose it at that point because it's, it's no longer the Holy Spirit bringing the power. It's, it's you, you uh, and, and there's no power in your own words, right? Uh, and, and so, of course, you're going to lose it. And so I think uh, what we, where do we believe it comes from? It's, it's from the Holy Spirit. It's from God himself, right? It has to be. Uh, it has to be. Uh, it has to come from where we as believers and followers of Jesus uh, surrender ourselves, give up ourselves, sacrifice ourselves. Phil talked about it. He put it this way this past, that we put ourselves on the altar um, and, and just die to ourself and, and just, yeah. and just proclaim God and hand our life over to God and just, uh, and allow the Holy spirit to use us, to guide us, to convict us, to, to use us. Um, and, and that's where we get it right, right from the breath of the Holy spirit. Standing, we are, we are not the main character in our own story. It's, it's Jesus. Like they, they even call it our story is almost very misleading. Jesus is the main character of that story. And I think when we recognize that in every aspect of our life, I think that is, that is crucial to discovering this, this, it, when the Holy Spirit works in your life because of where your focus is on. See, I think uh, voice cracks are a lasting side effect of oh, mono, yeah. right? Uh-huh, very funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. just kidding. Well, then he's had mono his whole life. Oh, yeah, big time. Uh, <laughs> at least for the last few years. Uh, so, first day back. Love it. <laughs> to answer this question, where we did missed, it... We missed you, Sam. Yeah, we missed so, you. so bad. Feeling love. <laughs> to answer the question, where did it come from? Craig Rochelle uh, uses the story of starting life church. Um, and and it's, it's a fun story. This is a, it's an interesting story. It's, it's a big story, but, um, he, he roasts some people. This is it's a fun chapter, honestly, just, just reading, uh, this chapter and hearing his writing style and just uh, how, how goofy and funny he is and stuff. And just, really roasting at a guy that was missing a finger the whole time. <laughs> um, so he uses starting live church as an example throughout this chapter to show where, where it comes from. Uh, and I think the big point that he is proving throughout this is that you, you do not have to have all the fancy technology and the big fancy buildings and all the stuff to have it. Uh, what he, what he gets at is that life church started in a, a two car garage. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they had one of those old school, projectors with the the transparent pages that with the oh, yeah. with the song lyrics on it and the somebody big light would, bulb underneath yeah a dude oh, named yeah. jerome sat back there and flipped those that was missing a finger that was the guy he kind of roasted the whole time <laughs> yeah. um and, and and the point was is that they didn't have everything they have now but they still had it um and it was because they were a group of people eager and hungry for the lord and just reaching out to him yes it's, I like how he like worded uh, like that, that section of the chapter where he's like, you don't have to have all the technology to have it, but he also highlights you, you also can have it with the technology mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. And so it goes both ways. It's just, where are, where's your willingness to let the, to let the Lord like guide you and lead you uh, to use those tools? Cause they're tools, they're tools. And it's so easy to use tools, make tools like the, um, the it factor. And when we start using those tools as we can't do this because we need this, um, then you're starting to make excuses for like what the Lord has already like imparted into you. You just got to let him like move in your life to like, you know, lead 
in confidence that Jesus has it under control. So basically like literally Jesus take the wheel, like just, you know, you have this moment, you have my leadership, you have my heart, you have my willingness, like this is all for you. And so I, I really did like that. Yeah, no, he has a really interesting writing style. Um, it's very easy to read, but it's very like the way he presents like this whole message to you is very, um, I don't even know how to explain he's, it. He's it's, very story driven. Yeah, um, it, yeah. He, he does it in all of his books, mm-hmm. uh, the, all the books that I've read by him anyways. He's very story driven, big time in this book as well. And then he, he does that in his preaching as well uh, and his teaching and his leadership podcast. Mm-hmm. That he, he's super story. There's He's got a lot of stories yeah. and he's, he's really good at connecting them to what he's trying to teach. Something stuff. that really stood out to me with the very beginning of this chapter though was you know, after that Sunday night experience that he had, that we had talked about in the previous chapter, you know, he the, with the they were all filled with awe. Mm-hmm. Awe was a big thing we hit on, um, and anticipation was a big thing that we hit on, and expectation is a big thing we also hit on. Uh, he felt called to to be a pastor after that night, um, but it wasn't a change in vocation; it was a calling. I like how mm-hmm. he 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 emphasized that. Um, and I liked the story that he gave, you know, the very first church uh, position that he had was associate pastor at a Methodist church in, in Oklahoma and how um, with a change of leadership, some things were, you know, some people left, some people came and the new pastor started that Bible study uh, for businesses, for the business leaders in the, te- in, in the area. And so they started growing, they started growing. And then after a while, you know, it just kind of became stagnant. And then they started losing some people. A young adult ministry uh, that had been started um, was, you know, barely hanging on. And so this chapter, he's very transparent. And we'll see this, you know, towards the end when he starts talking about the experience with his own church, how the, you can just become so like driven by it that you start to forget that sometimes things do go stagnant and it does happen. So before we started recording, you were mentioning just evaluation, self-evaluation and how important that is to, you know, keep yourself in check, accountability, and also to ensure that your ministry doesn't just stay stagnant spiritually. Again, it's not about the numbers. It doesn't matter how many people are coming, but it's like, it's very obvious when a ministry starts to lose it because then the people don't, you know, might not exhibit the same amount of joy, same amount of energy. Um, and also uh, they start, you know, some people start falling away from the church. Not that they're not going to church anymore. They just not going to your church mm-hmm. because you're, you're losing it. You know, maybe the finances are a little stagnant and that's, that's really the, I think that's like the theme in this whole chapter is yeah. transparency that he has with, you know, the importance of evaluation. And as we'll see, um, I'm not sure if you were going to mention this, but he kind of leaves us on a cliffhanger by yeah. the end of the chapter. I mean, we, we don't know, you know, what the next chapter is going to say about, you know, evaluation, what that, how do you get that it factor back? You know, and I think that's what might be in the next part or the next chapter of the book. But yeah, you're talking about how transparent he's being and stuff and, and what it comes. I mean, he's talking about his church, his current church and how they have multiple campuses around the country. And, and some of the campuses don't have it. I mean, that's pretty much what he gets to the point. And, and, and the first, uh, the first evaluation that he takes is on himself, right? And, and I think that's that's something we can learn in leadership from him is that like the first point to look at is not pointing fingers at your leaders and stuff, but let's look at ourselves and say, hey, 
Like, am I doing something different? Am I losing it? Am I, is there something going on in my spiritual life that I need to, to work out, to work on? Am I, you know, am I really pursuing God or am I just kind of living inside of this success and stuff like that? And so I think the first thing you have to do when you start to see, uh, yes, you evaluate your, the ministry that you are leading constantly. But then on top of that, when, when you start to see it slipping, you, you start to evaluate self at first, right? You start to evaluate self. How am I leading? How am I doing with between me and God? How am I? Um, how's my relationship with Jesus? You know, do I have uh, some unconfessed sin? Do I have things that I need to take care of inside of my heart so that I'm uh, free and available to be used by God? Stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. the evaluation mm-hmm. I believe starts with self. Before we start pointing leader, uh, pointing fingers at other leaders, before we start pointing fingers at at the rest of the church, we have to look at ourselves, the shepherd, the leader of the church, and say, you know, am I coming in every day and just completely handing this over to God, or if I if I grabbed on and gripped on to a couple too many things mm-hmm. and trying to do this on my own, mm-hmm. yeah. and how like af- after evaluating yourself, you see that oh wow, maybe because. Maybe I haven't been necessarily good in this area. Maybe I have uh, done these things. Then how has that trickled down in in my leadership? Like how has that trickled down to the people that are looking to me, that are that are following me, and uh, looking to me to be that example for them? And that doesn't mean like obviously like nobody's perfect. Like the mistakes are going to happen, and so it's it's really important to know that like the people that you are uh, following, like maybe they, they aren't, they, you know, they aren't perfect. You know, they are going to make mistakes and stuff. And so it's, it's good to have evaluation in place for, for accountability and for just like keeping yourself on track. Right? Yeah. I think as, as important as self-evaluation is, it's also important to have people in your life that will evaluate you for you mm, and just definitely. like look in and say, Hey, like I see this in you, or you can even ask them, "Hey, am I am I being a little more prideful than I usually, you know, than I should be?" Stuff like that, and you can actually have those people in your life that are super honest with you, and like, yeah, you know what, I actually do see some pride in you that I hadn't seen in a while, or stuff like that. Like there has been a moment, um, there, there's a time inside of our youth ministry where it's like, you know, we need to evaluate. I need to hear honest opinions. So. You know, the leaders came in one one at a time and evaluated the ministry and was like, this is what I think the health of the ministry is. This is what I think we're struggling with, stuff like that. And that was extremely helpful because it wasn't just me sitting here evaluating it myself, but it was it was our leadership, the, the people that are in the trenches really doing the work, uh, helping me do the work and stuff like that. So it's, I think as much as self-evaluation is important for us to get away and to look at ourselves, look at our own hearts and really, really kind of, you know, do the digging and make sure we're doing okay. But it's also good to have people on the outside looking in, watching you, observing you so that they can evaluate, help you with that self-evaluation. I would make the argument it's absolutely necessary yeah. to have that. I think your ministry or even thinking of it as like in secular terms of just like a business, mm-hmm. like if you're not having that evaluation from other people on the outside too, like there's a big perspective that you're missing because you can't see everything yourself yeah. and it's like it's 
just really, I would, I would say necessary. Yeah. I really like that point a lot. Well, and if you're not the first person you're evaluating, yourself is not the first person you're evaluating, then you can easily, easily get into isolation. Mm-hmm. I mean, and so I was talking to a friend last night about like how he's getting into a new ministry role and how he can already see how isolating it could be because you do have to be guarded. You can't just talk to anybody about anything, but as you get to know the people in your ministry and as you begin to love those people in the ministry, the more that you want to commune with them, the more that you want to talk with them, the more that you want to be around them. And so then that actually becomes, you know, that takes you out. You have to come out of isolation at that point. And um, I mean, and if you don't evaluate yourself first, then I mean, you get into problems that we see in the mega churches here in in the United States today. Um, I mean, there's documentaries out there now about it. And it's like, then you start pointing fingers, you start blaming the other people for it. And then by the time you know it, the head honcho of the whole operation is the one that had been like the leader of all of this, like Mm. short falling in like the entire thing from like, it all trickles down from the head down. Um, And you get into narcissism, you get into narcissistic like leadership tendencies. And I think, um, and again, like our culture is so like me focused and stuff. And it's so easy just to, to become like, prideful. And I think that's where like narcissism can start. I don't think people are born as narcissists. Narcissists are just kind of made instead of like just being born on a narcissist. But um, I just think it's like, it could be lead to poor leadership um, when we just begin to start pointing fingers. Again, if you grow too quickly and don't have, if you have it and it becomes about the numbers and you grow too quickly, then that's like the, that's like the result of like, you have to like lead a different way. And then you become, you have to become isolated when you don't want to stay, take a step back and evaluate yourself. Um, that's just something I've kind of observed. I got you. I, th- I think evaluation too is, uh, it, it's not just about a leader in a leadership position, evaluating themselves. It's, it's every aspect of our life. Right. And yeah. if me as a husband never evaluates how I'm doing, how I'm treating my wife and how I'm loving my wife and stuff, Am I ever going to get better at it? Like, and it's also having real conversations with her and being like, "Hey, let me know how am I doing? Like, do, do you need something else from me? Do you need more from me? Do you what? You know, am I how am I doing? Like, just sitting and having that evaluation time also in other parts of your life. Like, how am I doing as a as a parent? How am I doing as a as a husband or a wife? Stuff like that. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So I think it's more than just uh, leadership practice and discipline of evaluation. It's also it's in other aspects of your life as well. So uh, in this chapter, we have two it factors. Uh, and I think this is going to be a theme that we get to cover two it factors each week. Um, and so the first one is this. Uh, he gives us good news and bad news. All right, that's the it factors. And we'll have this in the show notes. Uh, but the it factors, uh, the good news is this. If you don't have it, you can get it. Mm-hmm. Amen. Praise the Lord, right? Oh, yeah. uh, if you don't have it, you can get it. And this is amazing news. If you're aware enough to realize that you do not have it, you can begin to pray and observe and think and dig for it, I think. Um, You can ask God for it. You can allow the Holy Spirit to fill you with it. And so that is 
good news that if we don't have it, if our church doesn't have it, if our uh, youth group does not have it, if our personal relationship with God, if we're in a dry season and we just don't feel like we have it, uh, the good news is is that we can we can go get it. Does that make sense? We can mm-hmm. we can pray to God. We can ask God for it. We can we can dig for it. We can uh, just ask the Holy Spirit to fill us with it. We can go get it, and that's yeah. that's excellent news that we're not on the outside looking in just wishing um, that we could have it. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I really do like that he said is, you know, these tools are, it becomes easier to use these tools like technology that we have when you do have it. Because for example, you know, we hear a lot about these churches who do like the video streaming to the other campuses and, you know, it might not be some people's cup of tea, but, you know, he does highlight here um, that, that the churches actually that he was the church that he was preaching at the main broadcast <laughs> yeah, campus yeah. actually was the one that was struggling. You yeah. know, they had stagnant finances in that location, and they um, and that was the that was the main campus. That was like the that was the main thing, and that was where you were going to see Craig Rochelle preach. You know, and that's the one that you think the attendance is going to be out the out the doors like every mm-hmm. every Sunday. But no, it was like they were kind of struggling a little bit, and it was all the other broadcast campuses it's that also, were all. So. It's also like good news. They're not coming to church for you, Craig. Yes, <laughs> right. And so that's humbling. Yeah. That's so humbling. And that's, that's a good thing, though. And I like in parentheses, and we hear our pastor say it all the time. He said, if you don't think, um, oh, I'm sorry. If you don't like video teaching, put that in your pipe and smoke oh, it. Yeah. Like as like proof <laughs> that like, it doesn't matter. Like if you, you know, that your location is the one that has the pastor preaching, you know, it's like, it, it doesn't matter at that point. If you have it, you have it. If you, and, and so that, that second one that we're about to talk about is, you know, the bad news. What's the bad news? If you have it, you can lose it. Mm. And in most cases, you lose it faster than you gain it. It's kind of scary to like realize that you have to work so hard to get it. You have to like, it's just a lot of self-evaluation, a lot of humility, but it's so easy to lose it. Once, you know, it's just one slip of, you know, maybe a couple of days you don't read your word. Maybe that turns into maybe a month that you're not spending the time that you need because you're busy with the actual work of, keeping it and you start losing sight of, you know, how to, you start, you lose sight of, of spending time with Jesus. And in most cases we can lose it faster than we gain it. Yeah. I mean, when you say it that way, it kind of sounds like the same thing that people say about trust or, or, Mm. uh, your testimony or something like that. Like it takes so long to build somebody to build trust with somebody. Sure. And then when you, when you break that trust, you lose it. And it's really hard to get it back. Um, when you say it that way, that's what it kind of sounds like. It kind of reminds me of that. Um, but the bad news is, if you if you have it, you can lose it. And so, so what you have to do is to to avoid at all costs losing it, right? And so it's like constant evaluation, constantly, and it can happen slowly. Uh, it can happen without being noticed if you're not paying mm-hmm. attention and, and really evaluating what is going on in your ministry and in the church that you are leading. Um, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of like an example that he's used in one of his other books before, um, of just like how you, you gradually gain weight or something like that. Uh, say you gain like a pound, um, a, a month or something like that. And, and then at the end of the year, you've gained 12 pounds, but at the end of three years, that's 36 pounds. That's starting to make a difference. It's like, wait a second. So, so it's the same thing with this. It's like, well, 
um, it can happen slowly. We can slowly begin to lose it. And if we're not really paying attention, not really evaluating, not really asking ourselves tough questions and not really surrounding ourselves with people that can be honest with us and truly evaluate with us, uh, then it can happen slowly and it can happen without us even noticing it. Uh, so again, evaluation is great. Other eyes are great. Being aware is great. Uh, we have to be watching and looking and listening and feeling um, and always craving it in our personal life um, so that it's more noticeable when it's missing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if we don't want it in our own life, in our own spiritual life, then, then it's going to be very easy for us to co- totally miss it whenever our church is also not, our church also doesn't have it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's if it is in our own spiritual life, uh, then it's going to be very easy for us to notice yeah. when it's it's disappearing in our life, but also in the lives of those around us and in our church that we're leading and stuff like that. Yeah, I feel like part of this is, um, especially what Justin said earlier about like losing it faster than it took to get it um, in my mind. Like the first thing that came to my mind is almost um, kind of how sin works, right? Like we work so hard to stay away from that, to resist temptation constantly. And in, in a moment, in a really swift moment, in the blink of an eye, uh, all it takes is one mess up and, you know, dive right back in that sin that we've been fighting for this for so long. And uh, it's not necessarily the, the same thing, but in, in that aspect, like it, that it really paints a picture to me. Not only is it a little bit discouraging because of how like hard you fought to do this and how easily you can mess up. There's also a lot of encouragement because you know that there is forgiveness, there is repentance in that. And so just like that, yeah, you can lose it. Yeah. It, it sucks. Like even if you, haven't seen these warning signs, even if you haven't done the necessary evaluation, or even if you feel like you've done it and something has still happened and that, that it factor is going away. Like there is a way to get it back. You can get it back. And that's not the end of the story Mm -hmm. It's like not, you work this hard to get it and then you lose it and it's done. And so that that's really encouraging is to know, like, just like how we have forgiveness of sin, like, like losing this in fa- in it factor isn't the end of the world because you can get it back. You just have to have to do the work for it. But uh, there are a few questions of discussion and reflection at the end of each chapter, uh, and I think we can look at a couple of these and and just uh, and just discuss it a little bit. Uh, if you've ever been a part of a ministry that had it, you knew it. Uh, that's a statement. Uh, describe what it felt like. What are some of the qualities that you experienced and appreciated? Who wants to tackle this first? I have a story, so I don't know if that means I need to go first or last. Go for it. Just throw that voice crack in there, too. Who's that mono? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mono makes another appearance. Yeah. So this this is the, the church I, I grew up in. Um, there is we, we used to do this thing. Um, because of how small we were, we would have a children's church, basically. The, the few kids that were there would just come to the front row um, because normally I would, I would just sit there myself. And then there was a rotation of people that would do a lesson that would be targeted at the kids, but it's for everyone to hear. Um, and I remember it was it was the lady that uh, played piano for us. Her name is, uh, I call her Miss Jane. And uh, she was, I can't remember exactly what, like the lesson she was teaching, but she kept getting up and going to the windows 
and looking out the window and she's like, and then she'd come back and apologize, be like, oh, I thought I saw something. And she kept doing that throughout the lesson. And I, I was pretty young at this point. I, I wasn't super young. I was probably the oldest of the group of kids that was there. But all of a sudden, she she goes to this window one last time and just exclaims, like, is, like, really loud and enthusiastic that, like, she's like, Jesus is here. Like, Jesus came. And... Um, I know she probably put her sons up to this, but her two sons that were adults instantly just got up out of their seat and sprinted out of the church, like going toward him. And then us kids being like really, really confused, we were like, uh, what do we do? And so we, I, I like, they're all looking to me cause I'm the oldest of what to do. And I, I like slowly get up and start like walking to the back of the church and she's, she's gone out the door too at this point. And by the time I get to the back of the church, like they, they had gone out, shut the door. By the time I get back to the, like back where the, the door is to, to go out and see what's happening, she comes back in and says, it's too late. He's gone. You missed it. And mm-hmm. ever since then, that has really like, that has just set on my mind. Like I was like, man, I really dropped the ball in that moment. Like the people that were sitting there looking to me to, to lead them, like we, we've been given confirmation. Even, even if it, it was fake, like, like it was like, at the chance that she like Jesus had come like, and I didn't take the opportunity to go run for him wow. before anything else. And I was like, wow, that, and, and it's stuck with me. Like, like I, I should have done that. Like I should have, I could have been an opportunity. And that, that lesson to me was, was it hmm. that it, it epitome of like what it is. Like if, if there's a chance that, we see Jesus to put him first and we don't take that opportunity. We are really missing it. So that moment from where you got up and, you know, walked or ran to the back, you know, you were excited. There was like an expectation and an anticipation like we were talking about in the last chapter. And I think that's really like that answer to, to number three is like, there's just a vibrancy in everybody. There's an excitement. There's an anticipation for something great to happen. Um, when, you know, the bot, when the kingdom, when kingdom believers, when the, the body of Christ comes together and it engages with one another, like there's just like this, this just excitement that you can mm-hmm. feel. And I feel like that joy, that uh, overflow of what the Holy Spirit's been doing in your, in your life all week just comes out and pours out on people. I mean, last week I just saw Jesus. I just saw the face of God in every one of those kids. Mm. And like that, that is like the it factor right there is when you can see, you can tangibly see God in another person's life. Like that, that's the it factor, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the way I would answer this is it um, is genuineness probably. I, I think um, I think one of the things that stand out to when I was thinking about the churches that I've been in that where I, where I have experienced it, uh, the moments in ministry or the moments in, uh, in being in church um, where I've experienced it is, is genuineness uh, is where, where people were real. They were real with their struggles. They were real with the things they were dealing with. Um, they were real about their pursuit and love for God. Does that make sense? Um, and so you could see it in their worship. You could hear it in their preaching you could uh, see it outside of church, which was 
a very impactful thing was that I didn't just see my pastor act the way he did uh, whenever we were at church, but I also got to experience it outside of church at all times kind of thing. Um, and then also, um, I've also seen it disappear from a church because all of a sudden somebody was being fake. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Uh, they had secret sin inside of their life and all of a sudden things were changing at the church and the church was never the same after that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and, and so that's why I think that genuineness is the thing that has kind of been like when we are real about where we are with Jesus and we are real in our relationship with Jesus and we don't think that we have to put on this fake facade uh, this fake act and just act out everything in scripture, but instead actually live things in scripture and allow scripture to, to transform and change our lives and allow the Holy Spirit to fill us and use us and stuff. I, I think when we are real in that and we're real about what we're struggling with and we're real with what we're dealing with and, and the sin in our life and, and just, you know, confessing it vertically to God, but also horizontally with a brother or sister in Christ and just really rooting it out of our life. Um, when we're genuine in those things, I think that's when we, that's when we experience it the most, uh, because everything's out on the table We're we're completely dependent upon God at that moment. And we are pursuing him with everything we've got. Does that make sense? Um, and I, I think that's where, that's where I've seen it happen in, in churches that I've been a part of currently past stuff like that. Um, is when, when genuineness is like on the front of our minds, uh, or genuineness is just a, maybe not on the front of our minds, but it's a, it's a characteristic that we, we have and a culture that we have where we are just being real. Um, I think that's when, when I've experienced it, um, and seen it in the church or ministry that I've been a part of. I think that's what the difference was 2000 years ago with the Pharisees and with Jesus and his disciples. You know, like they were so real with each other mm-hmm. and they called each other out. And I mean, I can, you know, the Bible's so like, it sounds so serious, but I can just see them cutting up and like joking with each other and just yeah. like roasting each other on like the stuff they're going through. And I'm, I think, you know, <laughs> <laughs> for real, dude, he, he, yeah, he was, he was so hard read on that, that guy line, with that. Read that, read that sentence in the, in the book where it's like, um, Sam, if you want to, yeah. if you want to read that, where he <laughs> roasts the, Jerome, you know, he, he goes, he's like, what, what do we have? We had a few people who could count them on both hands. Well, Jerome couldn't, but you could. <laughs> that's, that's so hard, dude. That's, that's Unless tough. you're Jerome. Poor guy, poor guy. But like you were saying, um, there's just your story. You know, some religious people would take that out of context and say, oh, that's just scaring kids. You know, why would mm. you do that? But it's like Jesus went to extreme measures to get his point across. You know, he, he told stories that didn't make sense. Well, to the Pharisees because of their, their perspective. And uh, there's just, there's a difference. I think that that difference of the Pharisees and them going out into the street and, and, and oh, oh, I'm so holy. And I'm, you know, them praying in front of everybody. And, and Jesus is like, bro, that's not it, dude. That's, that's just not cool. Like you're, 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 you're trying to put on this facade of you're so holy, but then you're like doing this on the side. Yeah. So you're, it's just contradicting yourself. And yeah, that's so, the difference between religion and relationship. Absolutely. We've talked about it, right? Um, so that's, I think that's where I've, I've experienced it the most is just when people are real 
Um, and that's what I try to be in my life. I, I want to be real. Like, I want to let you guys know when I'm struggling. I told you guys today that I almost passed out at lunch because I, like, I <laughs> want you to know when it, when things are hard. Um, yeah. and, and I also want you guys to be able to let me know when things are difficult and hard and stuff. And, and just uh, being real and living this thing out with one another, but also being completely dependent upon God. Uh, to, to walk with us and the Holy Spirit to fill us and to convict us and to strengthen us and to carry us, that kind of stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So I think yeah. that's when I've, I've experienced it the most. And I, I think that's every part of your life, too. It's not just leadership. It's Again, it's it's in your marriage. It's it's at home. It's it's yeah. at, the, at the office and stuff. It's like, let's go be real. Let's go show people what Christianity actually looks like, what following Jesus actually looks like. Um, and it's not just a religious look. It's a, it's a relationship. It's a... It's a it's a fight. It's a battle, right? Yeah, I thought what really whenever you said that that really resonated with me. I was like, my goodness. Now we think about like what it means to have this it factor, and it can really feel like you have it whenever everything's going well, like whenever you have things that are like going well, but it, you don't necessarily lose it whenever you're going through like a hard time, whenever you're still like striving to be truthful, like. Whenever things are like, like bad things are happening, but you're being real about it and you're you're living truth, mm-hmm. and you're trying to put, uh, you're putting Jesus first in that situation, even though it's a hard one. Like, just because like stuff maybe with the church isn't working out, maybe there's some financial issues, uh, maybe you are losing people for uh, different reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean you're losing it. So I think I think that like puts it really into perspective as like like what does it really mean to have it and um, more more even more encouragement that like just because these things are happening doesn't mean you're losing it it just means that you need to back down the hatches yeah you know? right and, and genuineness this is a whole nother conversation I think this could go for another hour we're cutting this <laughs> yeah. we're cutting this short <laughs> we right? need to cut uh, it off. Uh, and genuine, but that genuineness shows real faith. Uh, mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. I can I can yeah. look life in the face and still choose my Jesus and, and still choose to follow Him. And that shows true faith, and that's what the world needs to see. That's what the world around us needs to see in every aspect of our life. Is that you know, I'm not going to do that because I'm choosing Jesus. I'm not going to uh, get you know, throw myself a pity party right now because I have true faith and I'm going to follow Jesus. Like, it's just, they need to see the genuineness. They need to see us fight. They need to see us wrestle with our faith. They need to see us go for it when it makes no sense. Uh, That's what real faith looks like, right? Yeah, definitely. Awesome, guys. Well, I I think this has been good and uh, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll, well, we're back on schedule. We'll leave it at that. We're back on schedule. We'll see you guys again in a couple of weeks. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we hope to see you again real soon. Make sure to follow the show. Share it with your friends. Join our conversation. You can email us or message us on Instagram. We really want to hear from you guys. But for Justin and Sam, I'm Eric. See you next time. Bye. Adios. This has been the Church at Grace Point Leadership Podcast. Make sure to follow the show and share it with leaders in your life. Pick up a copy of Lead Like It Matters by Craig Groeschel and join the conversation. We would love to hear your feedback, answer your questions, and have conversations about Jesus with you. You can contact us by email at podcast at gracepoint.church or send us a message on Instagram at GP Leadership Podcast. Thank you for listening.